Hey everyone, it's Eves. Just wanted to let you know that you'll be hearing an episode from me and an episode from Tracy V. Wilson today. Hope you enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson and it's October 2nd. The Perihil Massacre, also known as the Parsley Massacre, began on this day in 1937. The name of this massacre comes from a shibboleth. And if you're not familiar with that term, it has a lot of different meanings today. But its origins are from the biblical book of Judges. From the New International Version, quote, The Gileadites captured the fords of the Jordan leading to Ephraim, and whenever a survivor of Ephraim said, let me cross over, the men of Gilead asked him, are you an Ephraimite? If he replied no, they said, all right, say Shibboleth. If he said Sibboleth, because he could not pronounce the word correctly, they seized him and killed him at the fords of the Jordan. 42,000 Ephraimites were killed at that time. So the word shibboleth was being used to distinguish the Gileadites from the Ephraimites because Ephraimites couldn't pronounce the sh sound in shibboleth. In the Parsley Massacre, this word that was used in this way was perejil, which is the Spanish word for parsley. In some accounts, it was being used to distinguish the Dominicans, who mainly spoke Spanish, from the Haitians, who mainly spoke Creole and French, and who couldn't easily make that rolled R in perejil. Here's how it happened. Today, Haiti and the Dominican Republic are both on the island of Hispaniola. This island was first colonized by Europeans after Christopher Columbus landed there on his first voyage in 1492. So at first, it was established as Santo Domingo under Spanish control. Spain later ceded the western portion of it to France. The French side of the island became independent after the Haitian Revolution. And then Haiti annexed the Spanish side of the island, so the whole island was unified from 1822 to 1844. What's now the Dominican Republic first declared its independence from Haiti in 1844 and then became independent from Spain in 1865. After World War II, the United States occupied both Haiti and the Dominican Republic. The United States was trying to install pro-U.S. governments and to make the island more friendly to U.S. policy. The U.S. withdrew from the Dominican Republic in 1924 and from Haiti in 1934. But between these two withdrawals in 1930, General Rafael Trujillo overthrew Dominican President Horacio Vasquez, and he established a dictatorship. The general had been part of the National Guard, and he had actually been trained by U.S. Marines during the occupation. He saw the whole Haiti-Dominican Republic border region, which in a lot of ways was bicultural, as a threat. It was a threat to his regime. It was a potential way for rebels against his regime to escape. He was also motivated by racism and by anti-immigrant sentiment along the border and by nationalism and a flat-out desire for power. First, he ordered the killing of 300 Haitians along this border, and he announced that he had done so saying that it was a solution to the problem of purported thefts and other depredations supposedly being committed by Haitians. He said this was a remedy, and he promised that this remedy was going to continue. A horrifying and brutal massacre followed, with that word perihil being used in some accounts to distinguish between dark-skinned Dominicans and dark-skinned Haitians. 
this test probably wasn't used for everyone, and it may not have been very effective because a lot of people in the border region did actually speak Spanish. Regardless, though, the military was targeting the people with the darkest skin, and that included the Dominican-born children of Haitian descent. Most of the killings were committed with machetes. The total death toll of this massacre is unknown because there were mass burials, huge dumping of bodies, and cover-ups and censorship. Most estimates put it in the range of 20,000 people and possibly many more. Afterward, the Dominican Republic and its policies became increasingly anti-Haitian. The Dominican government eventually was ordered to pay $525,000 of restitution. That was a really tiny amount of money considering what had happened, and very little of that money actually reached any survivors. General Trujillo and his government and the army faced no punishment or retribution for this massacre. Thanks to Eve's Jeffcoat for her research work today on this podcast and to Tari Harrison for her audio work on this show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And you can tune in tomorrow for One Nation's second attempt to colonize another. Hey, I'm Eves, and you're listening to This Day in History Class, a podcast that proves history is always happening. The day was October 2nd, 1528. The book, The Obedience of a Christian Man by English Protestant author William Tyndall was first printed in Antwerp, Belgium. In the book, Tyndall said that kings were the head of their country's church and were accountable to God, not to the Pope. The book is one of the key texts in the English Reformation, a period in the 16th century when reformers challenged the authority of the Pope and the Roman Catholic Church. Tyndall was a scholar and theologian. He was also a linguist who became fluent in several languages over the years, including French, Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. But his religious views grew to be radical and controversial. Influenced by the Reformation, Tyndall believed that only the Bible should determine the doctrine of the church. He also thought that translating the New Testament into English would allow people to have their own understanding of scripture rather than one determined by the Catholic Church. The translation of the Bible that the Roman Catholic Church used, the Vulgate, was in Latin. So the Bible was read in church in Latin, which few people attending religious services could understand. But the church, wary of anyone or anything that may challenge tradition, required ecclesiastical approval of translations and readings of the Bible in English. Reformer John Wycliffe and those who promoted his views, known as Lollards, were persecuted as heretics for their defiance of the beliefs and practices of the church and their translations of the Bible into English. But even though having unauthorized English translations of the scriptures could result in charges of heresy, people still read English translations and reformers acknowledged the Bible as the highest authority of the biblical word, not the Pope. And Tyndall was determined to translate the Bible into English, even after church authorities in England refused his requests. He left England, and by 1525, he had completed his translation of the New Testament. And by the next year, printing of the New Testament was complete. It was the first New Testament in English to be mass-produced with a printing press, rather than being handwritten. 
Thousands of copies of Tyndall's New Testament were printed by the time he was executed in 1536 for heresy, and it influenced later Bible translations, including the 1611 King James Bible. Tyndall also published other books in which he criticized the practices of the Catholic Church. One of the most influential was The Obedience of a Christian Man, though the original title of it is much longer than that. The book is divided into three main sections, preceded by two introductions. The first section discusses God's laws of obedience and the people bound to obey them. The second expresses how the people who have authority should rule. And the third affirms that the literal sense of scripture is spiritual. In the book, he said that worshipers should affirm the authority of the Bible over any other authority, like the Catholic Church and the Pope. The book also claimed that God appointed kings who were authorities of their realms. Anne Boleyn owned a copy of the book, which, according to anecdotal evidence, was eventually shown to King Henry VIII. It's been claimed that the king liked the stance on papal authority expressed in the book and that the book influenced the Act of Supremacy, which declared Henry VIII and his successors the supreme head of the Church of England instead of the Pope. Those claims are unsubstantiated. Other books Tyndall wrote include The Parable of the Wicked Mammon and The Practice of the Prelates. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at T-D-I-H-C podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email us at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.